Welcome to Reconciling Grace, a program where church leaders discuss various topics from the Bible. During the discussions, there may or may not always be agreement from every panel member on every point, but there is full agreement on the fact that the way to God the Father is through the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ. And this is Pete Vecchi, glad to be with you today. I'm one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Joining me today is Mick Wells, who is the co-host of the Cross Connection radio program, and he's also a songwriter. Along with us is also Steve Wilson, who's a Christian author with a Master of Divinity from United Theological Seminary. And finally, we have Rich Harmon, last but not least, Rich, a licensed minister at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. Gentlemen, it's good to have you with us today, and I look forward to the discussion. We have previously talked about prayer in one of our previous programs, and there were so many questions that uh, we never got to just because we didn't have enough time that we thought we'd get back to that subject today. And Mick, one of the things that we thought about is the fact that you had a number of great questions that we thought this would be uh, maybe a whole new topic for us, or at least a whole new aspect on prayer. And so I'm just going to kind of turn things over to you today and see how uh, the Lord leads you to kind of guide us through today's discussion. Well, thanks, Pete. And it's uh, great to be back here in the studio and sharing more ideas on prayer. And I found um, in my personal devotions and studies and and talking with other Christians that prayer is one of those topics when you open it up it leads to a lot of different angles or or facets and uh, some things occurred to me in connection with last week's discussion uh, Pete that uh, led me to kind of take a, a closer look at some of the aspects of prayer and I'm sure that what I'm going to share here is uh, not all inclusive and can lead to uh, further discussion it occurred to me as I start out here with the generalization that it's hard to put prayer in a box. It's hard to put it in terms of a formula or something specific that would or wouldn't guarantee a specific outcome. And it occurred to me that a lot of what happens in terms of the effectiveness of prayer depends upon where we stand, uh, among other things, in relationship with God. There's a lot of things about the prayer that determine or influence how effective our prayers can be. And so I had some questions here, and I've shared some scriptures with you. Uh, first of all, Let's recall that last week we were considering the overall context of the question, what happens when we pray? And it seems to me that uh, we have to be a, uh, <clears throat> looking at a number of background considerations before approaching God or trying to determine how effective our prayers can be. So my first question in terms of a pre preliminary consideration in approaching prayer is where do we stand in our relationship with God. And, and Pete, I believe you have a scripture to share with us. Right, you'd asked if I would uh, read John chapter 9, verse 31. And the person speaking here happens to be a man who Jesus has just healed from being blind. And he says this, he says, we know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Well, what do you think? 
is is that an absolute truth or is this what occurred to me was this just an accurate repetition of something spoken by a fellow who was blind who was healed in the sense that uh, in the Old Testament Job had friends that were advising him you could pick out what they say but the, Job's friends were chastised <laughs> in large part for what they said and so I don't know whether we can take this to the bank or whether you think we should. It's a great question. Sometimes it is difficult to discern whether the Bible is being prescriptive or descriptive. In other words, is it telling us something that happened or is it telling us something that should happen? Yeah, that's well put, Steve. What, what do you think it is of those two descriptors? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that... Uh, Scripture interprets Scripture. So we'd have to think about um, other places in the Bible where maybe uh, we're told that God does listen to someone in a, a certain spiritual state mm -hmm. or does not. I think that we, uh, if we find something that's not absolutely clear in that context, we would certainly need to correlate it with Scripture other scriptures to uh, help shape the, our understanding of, of the truth. And uh, any thoughts, Pete? Well, you know, one of the things that, that Steve just kind of said about uh, scripture interpreting scripture, I, I always like, and you said the word context, and especially in this context, I want to tell you that this is one of my absolute favorite passages of the Bible, because you have this guy who is born blind, probably never educated kind of putting those educated, snobby Pharisees in their places because he knows some truth. This is some truth that he says, well, God does not listen to sinners. How much of that is absolute truth and how much of that is a general knowledge? I, I think it's kind of both, but just because this man said it and just because the Bible records this man saying it does not mean that this is a, a perfect truth of God. However, there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, and it almost comes across in a miraculous way, like uh, this unlearned fellow. I'm, maybe I'm assuming they're unlearned, but uh, he's almost clearly speaking with the Holy Spirit when he goes after the the, uh, the learned folks there in the temple. But uh, yeah, I agree with that, Pete. Um, I want to take a look at the first part of what you read. We know that God does not listen to sinners. And there's probably two or three programs worth of material to bring up there uh, to talk about, so I won't digress too far. But, you know, let's just say, for the sake of argument, that God doesn't listen to sinners. Okay, I'm not saying that he does or doesn't because I personally feel that under some circumstances he, he clearly does. Um, and how that whole principle squares with God's omniscience, a, a quality I think we all agree that he has. He knows everything. So if he doesn't listen to them, he still knows what they're saying. Is that kind of an illusor, illusory distinction there? Uh, if God knows everything, and doesn't listen to sinners? Is that a contradiction? I think it has to go to do with, I should say, what we mean by listen. Okay. Um, it depends on what the definition of listen is, I guess is what we're saying. Um, does he hear? 
Sure. Does he listen? I think kind of gives an idea of, is he going to act on that? Is he going to be swayed by by the things he hears? I mean, we could hear a, a, a siren go off. Um, hopefully we don't during our, our radio program today, but we could hear a siren go off and we could decide, well, yeah, I hear that, but I'm just going to ignore it. Or we could hear it and say, hey, something's going on. The house next door might be on fire, and I hope it's not, because that would be uh, something that would be close to all of us and near and dear to us here. But I think there's a difference when we talk about hearing and listening. Listening, I think, implies an action is going to take place. Well, I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> the Bible does use both words with respect to how God uh, responds to um, prayer and listen and hear. I think it's it's interesting how uh, God can choose to do. It appears in the Scripture, God can choose to do some things that are almost counterintuitive. Like I I will remove their sin and remember it no more. If He's omniscient, but He's choosing not to remember. You know, and and that's just giving me a greater appreciation for the nature and attributes uh, of God. Nick, I'm thinking about in terms of relationship. You know, if if you're in a relationship with someone, you're going to um, more actively listen to what they're saying, more uh, pay attention rather than you know to uh, to some random noise. Mm-hmm. Or uh, when you're engaging in uh, small talk with someone you don't really know, uh, or maybe someone you've just met, you're not fully engaged. Mm-hmm. And so, because God is fully engaged with us as believers, He listens to us. He pays attention when we speak to Him, uh, and He doesn't have that relationship with a non-believer yet. True. Yeah, I think that's well put. Um, that should make sense to anybody uh, listening to this program that uh, God's response will be in relation to our relationship, the quality of our relationship with Him in close relationship. We would expect Him to be more attentive. When I was reading this uh, passage, what I found interesting is, is that the way that I was looking at it was from the perspective kind of along the lines of Steve is that it's a relationship. So if I have done someone wrong, if I come to them with sincerity being the sinner in God's eyes, if I come with a sincere heart and I truly ask that, you know, that person forgive me, they're going to be more receptive to hearing that versus if they know that I've done them wrong and I don't come with sincere heart. And I think that that's where God is at as well when we come to him as a sinner. He can tell truly when our heart is sincere. And I think that's when he's going to open up and like Steve said, he's going to be more apt to listen and, and take us take us in. Sure. I, and I uh, think that's a great segue into the next point I wanted to make, which dealt with unconfessed sin. Um, The Scripture speaks of how God treats us 
if we're harboring in our heart unconfessed sin, it's almost, I use this word a lot, it's almost like double-mindedness. Lord, I accept that you forgave me, but I'm not forgiving my brother. And so I'm going to share with you a verse out of Psalm 66 and verse 18 out of the NIV. And the word tells us, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. In other words, we can't have it both ways. We can't be on a fence post uh, and say, Lord, I want all your blessings, and oh, by the way, I want you to overlook the fact that I'm being uh, unforgiving and refusing or failing to uh, confess that sin, and I know it. And the Word tells us in the Old Testament, at least here, that under those conditions, if I'm harboring that sin, if I'm not willing to deal with it and make it right, then the Lord uh, would not have, and the word here is listened. Any thoughts on that? Yes, I'd, I'd like to get into that. Uh, but I think first we need to go to our commercial break uh, because that's what's coming up next. And let's get into that part here uh, after the break. we're back with Reconciling Grace. Right before the break, uh, Mick, you were just talking about God listening to our prayers and how he might listen or how he might respond depending on whether or not we are harboring sin in our heart or, or maybe even I think the better word that you were describing right before the break was unforgiveness because God has forgiven us, yet there are people who refuse to forgive others. Now, this is going to be a little bit of a challenge because, you know, as, as a preacher, I like to get up here and I like to show an illustration uh, visually. Mm-hmm. Well, this is going to be a challenge on the radio, but if you can imagine a, a, a circuit that has three spots and one is for God, one is for me, and one is for another person. Imagine an electric circuit where... If you break that circuit at any point, the entire flow stops. And that's kind of how that forgiveness, I believe, works. If we don't forgive another person, it's not just that the 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 circuit doesn't go from us to that other person, but that stops the entire circuit. So that forgiveness of God doesn't go to me either. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. I, I could envision that. You didn't need a... Uh, a chart to draw that one, Pete. I think that was uh, well said. Um, another aspect of preparing ourselves, if you will, for prayer that I'd like to look at is our motives in prayer. And this is primarily for uh, the type of prayer we know as, as petition, when we're asking uh, for things. You know, I think there's a scripture that says, You have not because you ask not. So we are encouraged to come to God with requests, but those requests should be uh, above board and and not selfish. And uh, Steve, would you share with us uh, James 4.3? Sure. It says, When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. And I, I think... Uh, of a, of a movie that I saw some years ago with Burt Reynolds in it. And he's stranded out in the, in the ocean, hopelessly far from shore, and he doesn't think he can swim to shore. And so he charts the bargain with God. And he says, God, if you just save me and get me, 
to shore i will give you everything that i own and i will devote all of my time and i will do all these things as he gets closer to shore he starts backing off what he's promised to do uh for god in other words his his real motives are coming into into focus and finally when he gets to shore and stands up he says well you know, I'll I'll send you something for the offering every couple of years or something like that. He really he really backs it off. But I was wondering, does anything come to mind that uh, uh, what are some wrong motives uh, examples that may come to mind with with you folks? Thinking about the idea of wrong motives from God's perspective. Uh, in other words, you know, God is going to honor certain prayers and, and he's not going to honor other prayers and we have to think about well, what does God want what it what is his motive mm-hmm. his motive is our holiness making us more like Christ mm-hmm. uh, he wants to bless us yes because he's our father and, and he wants to give us good things but only if those things promote our growth promote our holiness um, so if we're asking for things that that are not going to do that, uh, things that might turn us selfish, uh, things that, that might turn our attention away from him, uh, or just treat him like a, a Santa Claus rather than the God that he is, he's going to view those as wrong motives. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Sometimes I've used the term that we treat God sort of as a cosmic vending machine <laughs> and that's not what he's there for and I don't think uh, that honors him when we are are selfish uh, I think that's well put Stephen and that applies to just about everything that we would ask God for because it's very clear in scripture that we need to ask according ask for things according uh, to his will I think that's a good point too, Mick, and and to go along with it. I don't know that, it, you know, Steve, I think you're right about the idea that it's, is it going to promote what God wants in us, but also the idea that is this going to promote God's will, maybe not in us, but in somebody else's life, in another circumstance. One of the illustrations I like to give very often is that I can't say that God loved any of his apostles, any of Jesus' apostles, more than the others. Um, okay, Judas, there's maybe something else, but in in the book of Acts, we see that, that uh, James was arrested and killed. And right after that, Peter was arrested, was going to be put on trial in a sham trial and be killed. But yet, God let Peter miraculously escape from prison. Now, that does not mean that God loved Peter more than he did James. I believe that it meant that God had something else in mind. God had something else that he wanted to accomplish by Peter escaping, by Peter living, and maybe James's work was done. Yeah, and in the bigger context, you're right. God sees it in 2020. This was part of the, part of the plan. Yeah. Those types of passages are, are fascinating, and I've thought long and hard on those kinds of um, dilemmas mm-hmm. like that. You know, I don't know if we want to get into this right now, but I, I know that Rich has a story about prayer that just happened within the last couple of weeks. And Rich, would you like to share what happened? Absolutely. Um, I have an uncle who lives in Tennessee. Um, we call him Uncle Willie. 
and he was diagnosed with bone cancer five years ago and he has been praying that the bone cancer would would be taken taken away and it has not uh january 2nd he was taken to the hospital by emergency he had lungs that were full of infection and his blood had went septic Hmm. now we had a young man in our church who had septic in his blood a few months ago took him about three weeks just to get out of the hospital he did not have cancer did not have infection in his lungs my mother called me and told me that Uncle Willie was in dire straits and that uh, he was in his last days. The doctors give him no more than two days to live. So I immediately put this on our prayer request line at, ch- at church. I immediately went into prayer for Willie. My mother called me two days later and told me that he was re- doing much better. The third day, she called me and told me that if he continued to do as well as he was, he went into the hospital Tuesday, this was Friday, that he could actually go home on Monday. So through the course of five, six days, not only was the doctors just in awe of this miracle that they confessed that there's no other way this could have happened they they wrote uncle willie off i had actually made plans at work to go down i don't feel that it was a lack of faith i was just trying to make plans just in case but that did not stop our pleading with god that he would intervene in the situation so now my mother and i are going down in a few weeks to visit uncle willie and the rest of my family um, due primarily to the fact that he wants myself to come down which i'm honored it had nothing to do with me but he wants me to come down go through the bible with him pray with him and i'm i'm really just praying every day that that he'll accept christ you know um so prayer is uh, it's it's our foundational in my opinion it's our foundational basis of faith in the our christian walk um, you know, the questions were, you know, is there things that we pray for that may not be honoring to God, I guess, is the easiest way I can put it. I hear people pray all the time for something as simple as a football game or, you know, and it's it's kind of like what Steve and Pete had said. It's, it's, these things need to honor our, our God, these things that we pray for, uh, not selfish prayers, but they need to honor God. The holy God that we serve um, and through the course I, I've seen God work in so many ways but through this course of this 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 whole thing with Uncle Willie is just not only improved my faith even deeper but many people at our church has just seen God work and it, it's just a beautiful thing to watch well that's a really an exhilarating testimony mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I think, Pete, I would recommend that sometime we do uh, some sessions on the whole idea of, of uh, the miraculous working power of God. Uh, I've got a testimony myself uh, to share at the at the right time, but it, it really puts you on an energizer charger to see God Absolutely. step in and intervene and act like that. Um, yes, thanks for sharing that, Rich. 
and uh, I'll be in prayer for you as you minister to your uncle. Thank you. Um, the next uh, thing I wanted to bring up, Pete, for discussion is, is I think, very important. It's, it's uh, become very important to me just to study because when you talk about a prayer, uh, people will interpret what a prayer is differently, but the, what I want to examine is to whom the prayer is directed. And uh, Rich, would you share with us a, a scripture passage that I ask for? Yes, I have First Timothy 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ, Jesus. Uh, thanks, Rich. That tells us that uh, between us and God the Father, we have one person speaking on our behalf, and we approach Jesus. We come to the Father cloaked in the righteousness imputed to us from Christ Jesus, from what he did for us. Um, I think of, when I think of the idea to whom is prayer directed, I have friends and relatives that pray to people who are, are dead. And I don't know if these people are even permitted to hear prayer. But the Bible, again, says one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Um, I wanted to share with you a, a quote that's pertinent here from the uh, Christian uh, writer R.A. Torrey. And I'm going to quote from one of his writings. It says, you remember what the Boston transcript said after one of the, our most brilliant orators had preached in one of the city churches. Without any intention of irony or sarcasm, it said of this prayer, quote, it was the most eloquent prayer ever offered to a Boston audience. That was the trouble with it. The prayer was to a Boston audience, and that is the trouble with a great deal of prayer. It, it is to the audience and not to God. And we're wondering, what will the audience think? And what came to mind there is the number of Sunday morning services that I've been to, and I believe that the pastor's heart is sincere when he gives the closing prayer, but how many times the closing prayer has been a restatement or a rehash of the essence of the sermon that's been presented. It, it, it comes across more as a teaching opportunity to the people in attendance than it is coming across as a heartfelt prayer and communion uh, with God. But uh, along the lines of, of uh, Pharisees that would pray loudly on street corners, it was for other people, R.A. Torrey is talking about uh, a fancy orator who engineered his prayer, his words, to satisfy an audience instead of uh, commune with God. And I've, I constantly go back to the verse that says, we have one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. And if that is guiding the focus of our, of our prayer life, I think a lot of uh, problems can be avoided. I think you're right, and I, I remember what Jesus said about don't be like those Pharisees who stand on the street corners, because why? They've already received 
their reward. Sure. And with that, um, it's just about time for us to wrap things up for today. I think this has been a great discussion about prayer. We could talk about a lot of different things about prayer. Well, we probably will in future episodes. And I'd like to invite our audience to send us an email. If you have any questions about the Bible or topics, you can send us an email to RG, that stands for Reconciling Grace, RG at faithandfriendsradio.com. It's been my pleasure to have Steve Wilson, Mick Wells, and Rich Harmon with me today. This is Pete Vecchi, again, one of the associate pastors at West Carrollton Church of the Nazarene. We hope you'll join us again next time for Reconciling Grace. This has been Reconciling Grace. Join us again next time as our panel discusses biblical truths centered around the reconciling grace of Jesus Christ.